everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Savvy Talk. We are continuing the expert series with actually the world's leading expert, in my view, of anything to do with your brain. We are with New York Times bestselling author Jim Quick, who is also a brain performance coach, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. Optimizing your brain, relearning, unlearning, things you need to do for brain health. How much time do we spend thinking about our physical health? compared to our braid house. This episode is for you and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And if you stay to the end, Jim has an incentive for everybody. I can't wait for you guys to participate. Jim, thank you for having me. Oh, oh so glad. I was looking forward to this conversation. So we met at VCon briefly, <laughs> and then we spent some time together in Egypt. That was fun. That was really fun. Yeah, that was my first time. It was your first time. So what did you think about Egypt and what were some of the things that you liked the most? Uh, it was stunning. Uh, you know, Quincy Jones, uh, we do an annual brain power in a conference, performance conference, and he was in the audience uh, years ago. And I brought him on stage and I asked him this question. Uh, I want to know like about your, uh, you know, problems and things. I would like that people don't really talk about. He was like, I don't have problems. I have puzzles. And I was like, that was interesting. But the other thing he said was, um, he speaks 23 languages. What? Yeah. And he, he travels a lot and he loves, he says, you have to go to know. And, uh, cause when you go, you get to experience the culture, the food, um, the architecture, um, and, uh, and the language and the music. And, um, and so I love to travel when it's possible. And, um, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, it's always been on, on my bucket list and a great, great opportunity to see. Yeah. It was so much fun. I was like, I'm like, we're going to do some sightseeing stuff. Come with us. Yes. And we went and saw the mosques and we went and saw like old Cairo and Zuma civilization. We got to see the mummies. So I loved doing the tourist things. And then also you had special access to, you know, the local the local stuff yeah yeah that's really lots of times when people travel maybe they'll stay at at, like they go somewhere they stay at the resort but they don't really experience the rest and yeah yeah i'm glad that you did it's always a moment of pride for me to like show egypt around to people and so i was really excited that i got to show you around and and to get into the city we have a nice little group so that was fun okay today yeah i want to talk about so many things like i read your book yeah and, you know, we met at VCon, we met in Egypt, but I hadn't read the book yet. And it's all about, I mean, it's called Limitless. We're going to talk a little about the book, but a lot of what people know you for has to do with the braid. Why did you get obsessed with the braid? Why do you help people with the brain? What is it about the brain? And like, you know, initially people might know you because of reading quickly and now mm-hmm. your name is Jim Quick and reading fast, but right. how did you get onto this whole brain weight, brain power, your career out of making people's brains operate better? So my inspiration was my desperation. I had a traumatic brain injury when I was five years old, a pretty bad fall. And um, I was in kindergarten class, I was rushed to the emergency room, and where it really showed up was in school. I had processing issues, teachers would repeat themselves three or four times, and I would learn to pretend to understand, but I didn't understand anything really yeah i had poor focus poor memory it took me three years longer just to learn how to read and that was really stressful you know when they pass around the books and you have to like read out loud that's yeah and i couldn't read it and so it was it was a challenge i remember when i was nine years old i was slowing down the class and i was being teased by the other kids you know sometimes kids can be a little ruthless and um teacher came to my defense 
But all I remember her doing, she pointed to me in front of the whole class and said, that's the boy with the broken Brady. And I was like, oh, and yeah, it's just one of those things where adults have to be very careful of their external words because they often become a kid's internal words. Internal. Yeah. So every time I did badly in school, which was often, I would say, oh, because I have the broken brain. Or if I was a pick for sports, I would say, oh, because I have the broken brain. And that became kind of my- Limiting belief. Yeah. That label became my limit. And so, um, yeah, that's what I mean by my inspiration was my desperation. I just wanted to fix what was broken. And I didn't, you know, so many years later till age 18, till I learned some skills and methods to be able to, to, um, go from below normal to normal to, you know, the things I do today, often at events that you and I speak at, I'll do, if there's time demonstrations where I'll have a hundred people stand up and pass around a microphone and I'll memorize all their names or, wow, yeah, <laughs> or they'll challenge me to memorize a hundred numbers or a hundred They'll spin out a hundred random words and I'll do that. But, and people can see that on our YouTube channel, but, um, but I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I do this really to express to you what's possible because the truth is what I have discovered after over 30 years of doing this, and all of us could do this regardless of our age or background or educational level or financial situation, gender, history, IQ, but we weren't taught how. You know, school is a great place to learn what to learn, like math and history and science and, and, you know, Egyptian studies, but there were no classes on how to learn those subjects. Like, how do you focus or concentrate? Or how do you study? Yeah. How do you study? You know, and how do you remember things, right? And they always teach you, what, three R's in school, reading, writing, arithmetic, yeah. and obviously spelling wasn't one of those things, but um, a recall. What about retention? Socrates said, learning is remembering. And um, so this whole area, I really wanted to master the art and science of something called meta-learning. Meta-learning is learning how to learn. I think if there's one skill all of your viewers, your listeners must absorb and upgrade their skills is our ability to learn faster. Because in this world, and you know this with technology, there's so much information. Yeah. We're drowning in information. It's like taking a sip of water out of a fire hose. Um, but we're starving for practical ways to be able to, you know, to learn that information. Okay. So I want to stop you there and ask you about, you know, with all this technology, mm -hmm. there's like, there's overload of information. So we're just inundated with tons of notifications and information overload. Yeah. We don't really have to think as critically as we did before because of abundance of that information. Yeah. And you talk about the brain is like the most powerful technology we have, yet we're not using it the way we could, we yeah. can use it. How, how do you mean, what do you mean by that? Yeah. How do you reconcile those two things? Yeah. Where it's like, you know, um, so I would say that the ultimate technology that creates all the technology that's out there is the human mind, but it doesn't come with an owner's manual and it's not user-friendly. Like no one taught us how to use it back in school. Um, but it's our number one wealth building asset that we have, like all of your viewers and none of them are paid solely. It's not like a hundred years ago where we were compensated for our brute strength yeah. and doing physical labor. Now it's our brain strength today. You know, it's no longer our muscle power today. It's our mind power. And the faster you can learn, the faster you can earn because knowledge today is not only power, knowledge is, is profit. Right. And, uh, and so in the book limitless, I talk about the Sioux, the four, uh, horsemen of the mental apocalypse, if you will. And you mentioned some of them. The first one is digital, digital daily, daily, yeah, deluge. Um, it's a term that I just coined. Basic, I like 
alliteration, so I kept them all Ds. Yeah. Um, but it's the information uh, overload, you know, which creates health issues too. You know, I know you've had uh, Deepak on the show, and you know, and you, you've talked to a lot of, you know, great great thinkers and in wellness and other space. But you know, it creates higher blood pressure, compression, leisure time, more sleeplessness, just trying to keep up with all that information anxiety. And not only, so that's why we teach people how to read faster, how to learn faster, to keep up with that digital deluge. But the second one is digital distraction. Yeah, you know, you mentioned with all the, the rings and pings and dim, Notification. app notifications, social media alerts, uh, we're driven to distraction. So how does, you know, regardless if someone is a student or a senior or, you know, or anything, uh, any age or stage, how do you maintain your concentration and get things done? Right. Like we're, focusing. Like if you're constantly distracted, how are you going to focus? Exactly. Okay, that's the second one. Yeah, digital distraction. The third one is uh, digital dementia. And this is a real medical term. Digital dementia is defined uh, the the high reliance we have for technology to remember things for us. So for example, you know, back when we would, how many phone numbers did you? Yeah, I have to say, we don't remember phone numbers anymore. Right. Like you knew your home number and your best friend. Right. And then like, we used to know all of them, but now you don't, you don't know any, you know, we know like maybe our own phone number and there could be someone you text or, or call all the time, but you know, might not know their number. And not that I want to memorize 500 numbers, but it should be concerning that we've lost the ability to remember one, yeah. our PIN number, our passcode, you know, our seed phrase, or any, you know, or just, you know, how to get from here to there. And so I would say that um, digital dementia, that's how we teach memory training. And then finally, after digital deluge, digital distraction, digital dementia, you, the fourth one I termed digital deduction. Okay. And, uh, and that's what you were talking about in terms of technology doing the thinking for us. So we don't have that our visual spatial intelligence might have gone down because we rely on, uh, you know, an app to get us from here to there or, um, or algorithms, you know, no longer do you have to think they give you, you know, recommendations. Exactly. And so we don't have to do the, the heavy lifting. And I feel, uh, they, they did a study where this generation for the first time has, uh, below, uh, previous generations, uh, measured and test for, uh, logic and, uh, critical thinking. Mm -hmm because we just aren't thinking as much because we're relying on technology. And, and I am very pro-technology. You know, it's not that technology has created these issues, it's certainly amplified these issues because everything's happening so you know, quickly. But technology for me is not good or bad, it's just how it's applied. Like fire is technology, or at the earliest technology, and it could cook your food or it could burn down your home, yeah. right? It's just how it's being applied. So I, I love technology, it allows this, all this initiative yeah. to happen. Um, and I think we have to be careful with our choices and how, because some people just pick up their technology because they're bored or out of habit and technology is a tool for us to use. But if the technology is using us, then who becomes a the tool that we become the tool. So the brain has the power to learn new things. I think yeah. one of the things that I think even in my age, you're like, I can't learn new things. Like you need to, how can you, what are the bits of the book you, you yeah. spell? Is that people think that they they're too old to learn or that they can't learn? How do you turn that yeah, around? So um, I talk about lies in the book, L-I-E, and everything's an acronym. So it means a limited idea entertained. That's a lie. It's just a. It's not necessarily true. It's just an idea that we're giving energy to. Okay. And I would say one of the lies is that our our brain is fixed. Like people used to think, uh, and we've learned more about the human brain more in the past ten years than the previous thousand years combined. What we found is we're grossly underestimating our own capabilities. With neuroplasticity and neurogenesis, basically says we can create new brain cells uh, as we get older. 
We can. You know, yeah, and we can actually make new uh, neuroplasticity. Says our brain is like plastic in a good way, where it's very malleable and it adapts to stimulus. So by learning new things, we could actually get mentally stronger because we're creating new connections. And so the brain is not fixed like our shoe size, like our memory is not fixed like our shoe size. We actually can improve it. Just like if we wanted to build a muscle, you give it what? Novelty and like exercise and nutrition. And same thing with our mental muscles. Do doing things like Wordle and those kind of like brain games help? I mean, what do you do to exercise yeah. the muscle of your brain? So novelty. So one of the things, for example, is focus, right? And one of the challenges when we're always looking through social media and every, you know, cat video, like, share, comment, whatever is driving us to distraction, we're, we're exercising our distraction muscles. And we wonder why we can't focus when we're in a meeting or we're meeting somebody for the first time and getting their name and we forget their name, not because we can't remember it, just we're not focusing, right? We're yeah, because we're, we're flexing our distraction muscles. But same thing with, with learning something new also as well. You could, you could build your learning muscles and give yourself new challenges. Um, the challenges is, you know, we, we, I, I, I read this recently and I tweeted this saying that life is difficult for one or two reasons. Either you're leaving your comfort zone then life is difficult, right? Or life is difficult because you're staying in your comfort zone, right? And uh, and I think it should resonate to a lot of your, a lot of your viewers. But you know, we grow when we stretch ourselves. You know, we put ourselves in new situations. And I feel like aging is you have a chronological age, but there's also an age of our mind. You know, a level of playfulness. You know, a level of curiosity. Sometimes as we grow older. We feel like we know everything and our cup is full and we can't put anything else to get in. And I think your mind is like a parachute. It only works when it's open. When it's open. Yeah. yeah. And we're always constantly learning. And people, you know, see, and you know this because you spend time with, you know, amazing, you know, mavens and creators and people who are absolutely world-class. They're always learning, right? Because they're always seeking constant improvement. That's one of the things that I actually preach a lot about is being a lifelong learner. Yeah. So if I'm not learning, I'm not growing, and if I'm not growing, I'm dying. So like yeah. to be a lifelong learner, it doesn't come from one area. It's not like books, school, right. studying. It could be from podcasts, people in your network, yeah. Netflix documentaries, conversations. courses, conversations, reading books. So learning can come from anywhere, but I feel like a lot of people think it's not something that they need to do to keep their brain healthy. Yeah. I feel like sometimes the two dips actually in cognitive performance usually comes when people graduate school because mm -hmm. they feel like their education is done so they stop learning and uh, when they retire. It's because sometimes when people retire, they don't engage their mind in the same ways and then uh, you know, their, their body is unfortunately not too far off after that. And I would say that there's a study, it was on the cover of Time Magazine uh, with these community, this community of nuns and these women were living 80, 90 and above and healthy, and they wanted to find what was the key. And they found out half of it, I call these like super nuns, uh, there was a study that was called Aging with Grace. Um, half of their longevity came from uh, their, their uh, emotional faith and gratitude, but the other half had to do, they were lifelong learners. Really? And because they were lifelong learners, it added years to their life, but also life to their years. That they were, they were good years. And they were focused. Like, you don't want to pro prolong your life and then have, you know, we want longevity, but we right. want to be healthy and focused and right. have a full capacity. Right. And so they were mentally there. And this is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. 
um, because I lost my grandmother when I was going through my challenges when I was five, six, seven, when I had my accident. I lost my grandmother, who was my primary caregiver. Um, my parents immigrated here, and they, you know, they had many jobs, so I wasn't really well supervised, which is why I had so many, probably so many accidents. Um, but she passed of Alzheimer's, and that's why we donated, you know, proceeds to Limitless to um, Alzheimer's research for women, because women are twice as likely to experience Alzheimer's than men, twice as likely. Um, and also to build schools, you know, all over uh, Takata, Guatemala, Kenya, um, because education and brain health are just so, so very important. What can we do to make our brain healthier? Yeah. So we know that uh, I, I train at like the Cleveland Clinic Center for Brain Health. We know that about one third of our brain's uh, performance, like our memory, okay. is predetermined by genetics. Okay. But two thirds is in our control. How is that? that? That's amazing. And so I like to focus on the two thirds. Um, there are 10 things that move the needle, um, retail science based, uh, very quickly. And yeah, let's do this. Well, you know what they yeah. are? Yeah. Like, I want to give them value. I don't yeah. want to know for myself. I'm like, what do I need to do to make my, I don't exercise my brain. Yeah. And we, we do in different ways. You know, I, I, so, so 10 things you could do, everyone could do to upgrade their brain. Uh, number one, in no particular order, a good brain diet. So what we eat matters, especially for our gray matter, you know, and certainly staying away from processed foods, uh, high sugar foods is not, you know, which is very detrimental to the brain. On the other side of it, there's a whole science called neuronutrition. So there's certain foods that are proven to be good for the brain. Good for the brain. Yeah. Like very neuroprotective okay. things like, uh, avocados, yeah. you know, the monounsaturated fat, blueberries. I like to call them brain berries, you know, very, the antioxidants, very neuro neuroprotective, um, broccoli, good for the brain, olive oil. Yeah. For those who, who use olive oil uh, for meals, it's, it's good for the brain. If people's diet allows eggs, the choline in eggs is actually good for cognitive health. Uh, green leafy vegetables like kale and spinach. Um, your brain is mostly fat, so the good fats, like uh, like if people could eat fish, like wild salmon or sardines, good for the brain. Uh, turmeric, the spice, is wonderful. Oh, yeah, it's um, it lowers inflammation. Uh, I like to make like a, I add some almond milk and turmeric, maybe um, a little pepper, and it like makes like a golden milk. And yeah, the cock. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, good. And then finally, I would say uh, a couple more. Um, let's say uh, walnuts, very good for the brain. Vitamin E, high in vitamin E. Walnuts actually look like a brain. To help yeah. Little exactly. And uh, everyone's favorite, dark chocolate. Yeah, what's good for your mood is generally good for your mind. So those are 10 foods that if people can incorporate in their diet, you'd be very good for their brain. Um, another thing besides a good brain diet, uh, killing ants is actually clinically proven to be good for your brain. And ants stands for automatic negative thoughts. Okay, well, I got that. that how, like, what? Killing ants? From uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, I got that yeah. phrase, hero, change your brain, change your life. And so... Your brain is like this incredible supercomputer and your self-talk is a program it will run. So if you tell yourself, I'm not good at remembering people's names, you won't remember the name of the next person you meet. But you can program a supercomputer not to. And it's, it's amazing because all behavior is belief-driven. And so we have to be very conscious of the thoughts we have. And not that you have one negative thought ruins your life any more than eating one donut will ruin your life, but it's the consistency of it. Yeah. you know. And just even saying like, I don't have a great memory, even adding a little word like yet at the end. Is more, you know, it's more it, empowering. It, it sends a message to your brain that you're not exactly. giving it that limited belief. Yeah. So I would say number, so I had people when I'm going through this could rate themselves, uh, good brain diet on a scale of one to 10, you know, how good have they been, you know, of recent, you know, and then 
killing ants, automatic negative thoughts, how good are they really keeping their positive and encouraging? Third, it'll go through fast. Third, uh, exercise. Yeah. So important for the brain. Yeah. As your body moves, your brain grooves. You literally, when you move your body, you create brain-derived neurotropic factors. They call it BDNF. It's like fertilizer for the brain. I love that. Yeah. You know, I was in college and someone told me that you should always take a test or study after you worked out because yeah. you have more oxygen to the brain. You'll perform better. Yeah, very and true. And they would always tell us, like, I think we were saying for the SATs or something, they're like, everyone should, like, do something vigorous exercise yeah. before you perform better on the exam than if you hadn't. Absolutely. So blood flow, it, what's generally good for your heart is going to be good for your head. So the exercise for your mm -hmm. heart will get more blood flow and oxygen to your brain. Um, your brain is only 2% of your body mass, but it requires 20% of the nutrients and 20% of the oxygen. And so, um, yeah, a lot of times when people have brain fog or mental fatigue, sometimes they're just not even breathing. And so exercise definitely helps with that. So on a scale of zero to 10, and by the way, it's not just doing Pilates or CrossFit three or four times a week. It's like moving throughout today. Yeah, it, walking. It, yeah, exactly. Walking, uh, uh, spending time outside, moving your body. Because it's, um, they say sitting is a new smoking and we're behind screens all day. And even just taking a five minute brain break to just get some fresh air yeah. or maybe do some push-ups or something like that, jumping jacks to wake up your body. So that's uh, exercise. Number four, uh, brain nutrients. So I love, I like to focus on getting uh, nutrients of vitamins, minerals through my diet, but we don't always, you know, you're crowded planes and you're eating at hotels. And um, so, yeah, and the, probably the number one brain nutrient that most people in need should focus on is uh, omega-3s, your DHAs. Okay. I mentioned your brain is mostly fat. So very important. Um, so that's number four. Number five, uh, let's say a positive peer group. Okay. Oh, so the the company you keep has an impact on your brain health? Yeah, huge. So it's not huge. just our neurological networks, it's our social networks. Because we know who we spend time with is who we become, right? That's a phrase in personal development. Yeah. And the reason why is because you have something called mirror neuro or neurons, and we tend to imitate people we spend time with. We start using, I always tell people, yeah, like, so I always say watch. W or words, like the terms we use. We start using the same words and language as people around us. A and watch is our actions. We start modeling the behaviors of the people we spend time with. Like whether or not you you smoke or not has less to do with your biology and more does your friend's friend smoke yeah. because it's all those networks. The T and watch, your thoughts. We start having the same thought patterns as the people around us. The C and watch, character. We start modeling the integrity of the people we spend time with. And then finally, the H and watch are habits. You know, we start having the same habits of uh, of people around us, whether it's watching something or binge watch, whatever it happens to be. And I always say, with your habits, first you create your habits, then your habits create you. You know, you create your habits of meditation or journaling or exercise and eating well, prioritizing your sleep, and those habits create us back. So, um, yeah, who we spend time with, who we come. So, on a scale of zero to ten, you know, because you know. Maybe you're on some energy vampires and you wonder why your brain is just, you know, not quite where Out of your circle. Yeah. Out of your circle right. because it's having a big impact on your, your mental health or yeah. your brain health. They say we're the, in the art. Be careful if you spend time with nine broke people because you're going to be number 10 because we're the average of the people we spend we the spend most time with. Yeah. So that's number five, zero to 10. And then the other, the other five, number six, I would say a clean environment. You know, by what that mean what? So a neat home. Yeah, or? the environment that we keep is a reflection. Our external world is often a reflection of our internal world. 
you know, and you know this when you clean your desk or you, you know, you're, we you put everything in a file, like on, on the computer, then you have clarity of mind yep. also. Plus a clean environment, clean air, you know, clean air, hopefully, and some other things talk away from, you know, toxic, you know. The first episode we did in this expert series, we had a Marie Kondo expert talk about decluttering your home will declutter yeah. your life and your, like, the stress that it causes you. So much. When you don't have a clean home, it impacts your job, how you interact with others. I didn't realize what a big impact it would have on my life until I tried it. And then it's just such a peace of mind having that. But so clean home is a big Yeah. Recondo your mind. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Like anything like making our beds. You know, I have the, my morning routine, which a lot of people have seen millions of views. Yeah. But even making your bed takes two minutes. Yeah. But First of all, how you do anything is how you do everything. So you do it with excellence, only takes a couple minutes, but then you bring that excellence to other things that you do. But then how great does it feel coming back to, you know, at, to well-made bed, right? Like when you go to a hotel and have you made, but it's a reflection of our internal world. And so I would say that's number six. Number seven is a big one, sleep. Huge. Right? Yeah. Huge. Yeah. I mean, how do we feel when we get a bad night's sleep? No, next, yeah. How's our brain? How's our thinking? How's our memory? How's our focus? Yeah, everything nuts. Everything gets on tilt. And so I would say prioritize your sleep. And I would say a few good, you know, sleep. By the way, the reason why you sleep for your brain, long-term memory. That's where you form long-term memories. So if you have long-term memory issues, check your sleep. Um, it's also where you clean up this beta amyloid plaque that leads to brain aging challenges. Um, so you want to make sure that's when the sewage system kicks in in your brain. I always do sleep every. So they I mean they say people should sleep seven, eight, nine. What what's more important is the quality of the sleep. So yeah. I have like a you know a tracking devices, yeah. or you know people use different things. But it's your deep sleep and your REM sleep. So your deep sleep is measured you know through these devices, yeah. and that's how that your your body is repairing during deep sleep, and your REM sleep is when you're you're mentally recovering. So that that's what's most important. And a few things people could do science based. Get sunlight first thing in the morning yeah. because your eyes, yes, your eyes are the only part of your brain that's outside of your skull that you could see. And um, it helps to reset your circadian rhythm, uh, your melatonin production and so much more, even if it's hazy outside yeah. and it's still beneficial. Not not through windows because windows will filter out certain spectrums. But if you Being go outside, okay. yeah, um, first thing. The second thing I would recommend, um, your brain loves a schedule. So Everyone has an alarm to wake up. I would suggest having an alarm to go to sleep. And even, even on weekends, if possible. So stick to the same, go to bed, wake yes. up the same time every single day. Because your, your body and your brain loves that, that ritual. That ritual. Loves. Okay. And then the third thing I would say, temperature. Meaning that, cold. oh, yeah, it's an, it, not, not so cold where it's, uh, it keeps you alert yeah. and it distracts you and keeps you awake. But think about it. As hunter-gatherers, we would know it was time to go to sleep because there'd be a drop in two things, temperature and light. Yeah. yeah. And so, and that's the other thing. So many people are on their devices at night and the screen light. The it, blue light is, is what keeps you awake. Because it, it fools your mind into thinking it's still daylight. Yeah. And that's why if you're on it, you have it on night mode or you have some kind of app like Flux or Iris on it, um, or ideally... Don't touch your Don't phone, touch the, last, your phone. the last hour of the day. Just like, you know, help your body to kind of your mind to be able to face it. Get ready for sleep. Yeah, very much so. So that's number seven, sleep. And then finally, eight, nine, ten, eight, brain protection. Protect your brain. And uh, How do you do like um, things like uh, from EMFs, 
then the re recent studies have shown that EMF of uh, the electromagnetic fields, yeah. electromagnetic yeah. fields that's coming from like your phone uh, to be potentially harmful for the human brain. Um, and a lot of even kids, teenagers, they have like their devices underneath their pillows. And that, so, that could be, yeah, there's so much, that energy field is not meant to be, this is your, your brain is, is, uh, is biochemical uh, electrical and you don't, you you want to stay away from that ideally. And then, um, and the other, but the other thing besides protecting your brain is just wear a helmet. You know, I had three traumatic brain injuries as a child and, you know, some extreme sports. I, I work with a lot of, uh. Athletes, yeah, probably who that have had concussions and, and issues. So your brain is is very resilient, but it's also fragile, and so protect your brain. So it scales zero to ten, um, and then finally nine and ten. Nine, we talked about new learnings. You know, uh, you know, on a scale of zero to ten. And my favorite exercise for the brain is reading. If people have seen, you know, me on social media, we're connected there with, you know, me with Oprah or Elon or these individuals. People ask, how did you bond? You know, Books, right? Books. Yeah, leaders are readers. You read to succeed. If somebody has decades of experience and they put into a book and you can read that book in a few days, you can download decades in a days, which is the biggest advantage. Reading is to your mind what exercises to your body. So it's the best form of mental exercise. Um, we put a link in the- in, On your website, people didn't know. On Instagram, uh, specifically giving away a one hour free masterclass on speed reading. Not skimming or scanning, really reading. Because we have a lot, we have a lot of uh, financial advisors, attorneys, uh, medical doctors that get go through our stuff. programs. And you don't want your doctor just to get the gist of what she's reading, right? They, you really want them to really understand it. So um, yeah, or people who go to uh, chimquick.com forward slash more. 95% of what we publish, while we have students online in every country in the world, 195 nations, 95% uh, of what we put out there is absolutely free. Yep. We have over a million subscribers on YouTube. That's a nice way to connect. Or our podcast also is uh, only 20 minutes long and you will enjoy it there. Um, just search my name. But um, And then finally, the the 10th thing after uh, new learnings is uh, stress management. If you want a better brain, see there's stress. Some stress can be positive, certainly. You know, um, just like exercise can be a positive stress for your body. But chronic stress has actually been shown to shrink the human brain. The size of it? Yeah, it actually gets smaller with chronic. Because if you're in fight or flight, you're, you know, your adrenaline and cortisol, um, it's not the best state to be creative in, no, right? No. To be in a loving place, to be able to, to, to use your imagination to solve problems when we're in that fight or flight. Literally, when we're in fear, chronic fear actually suppresses the human right. immune system also. So, um, you know, with everything acceptable to disease and getting sick, yeah, make much more vulnerable to to viruses and, and and certain things that can make us sick. So, chronic chronic fear actually suppresses our immune system. Cholera science called psychoneuroimmunology, and that's why we have to control what comes into our minds. Because sometimes, you know, on media, if it bleeds, it leads, and everything is you know very threatening. But your mind has an algorithm like social media. So you ever notice like whatever you engage with on social media, they give you more of it. We have an algorithm, just like if you engage with all the cats or entrepreneurship, they show you more of it. If we engage our minds, it has the same algorithm with something that's scary or threatening. We start seeing it everywhere. Yeah, and then we know it. Absolutely. So on a scale of zero to 10, how are we managing our stress? Uh, you know, I prefer, I like to meditate once or twice a day. That's how I reduce my stress. Some people like to spend time with their dogs. Um, or, but what are we doing to cope with that stress? And how to deal with it? 
Um, this was so helpful. I, I really want people to know where they can follow you. So can you get yeah. like your handles and your website? Yeah, I would challenge everyone. Uh, I'd love to get, connect with everyone on social media. It's probably the fun place, yeah. um, whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn or Instagram or TikTok or whatever. But I would, I would challenge everyone to do one thing is to take a screenshot of wherever they're consuming this right now, this conversation, and tag us both. Yeah. And share in that post one thing you're going to do for a better brain. Uh, we just mentioned 10 things, but like one thing you're going to do today or tomorrow. And I'll actually, uh, because you'll tag us so we get to see it, I'll actually repost a couple of them and send uh, a few copies of the book okay. guides to uh, to a few random people. The book is wonderful. I want to say that I did your, you did a masterclass. Yeah. It was free online. Yeah. And when you're doing these, one of the things I loved about it was everyone in the comments is super engaged. Yeah. And they're almost like they they know so much about you and what you do and how it works that they were answering the questions and helping people learn how to optimize their brain. And everyone in the group was saying like, this really works. Like the tips that you're giving people, Jim, is changing their lives. Like they're really becoming more proactive. They're becoming more productive. They're more mentally focused. They understand how to build and protect their brain health, which nobody really spends enough time thinking about and doing. And last thing I just want to ask you, you were in Dubai. Yeah. How was your trip? What did it, you do? It was so much fun. I've been going there for about 10 years now. I uh, just got back from a recent trip and I, I, I love it. It's uh, amazing people, great culture. And they're very, there's not a lot of friction. Like everyone wants to get things done and then they're they're willing to invest and do the things that, you know, in terms of innovation. And, and, and everyone in there in Dubai as well, just like in the US, like they really have the same questions about brain health and want to learn and adapt. I saw the interactions you had with people when you came off stage. It was really fun to see. At the end of every show, we ask the guest to ask the next person a question. So Dr. Russell Kennedy, who is anxiety MD, will play the question. If I gave you a magic wand and I said you could change one thing, but only one thing about your childhood, what would that be? Um, most people would think that I would say I didn't have my brain accident when I was five years old. But I've also learned that, you know, with uh, challenge comes change. And we hear a lot about post-traumatic uh, stress, but we don't hear a lot about post-traumatic growth that maybe somebody could identify with this. You go through adversity, you wouldn't wish upon anybody, but you wouldn't change it for yourself because going through it, you found meaning or you found a trade, like a, a mission or a clarity, a purpose, or maybe a strength you didn't realize you had. So I wouldn't choose that. Um, I would choose playfulness. You know, when I had my brain accident, I really shut down where I was very playful and energized and curious. Um, yeah, I became more, uh, more, more flatlined in a lot of ways. So I, I wish I had, I could wave my wand, have more fun. And, uh, you know, sometimes as we grow older, we stop playing, but I actually think it's the opposite. You know, when we stop playing, we actually grow older. And so I would say play more, you know, you could work hard, you could, you could absolutely rest hard, but then definitely also play hard also. We really enjoyed having you on the show today and look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. Thank you.